glad you're staying up with us for these next 45 minutes. Definitely the biggest result so far. A lot of lightning, not so much thunder. I guess you could say Wayne brought the thunder. Yeah, no, he definitely uh, brought the thunder two times. But way too much lightning that night. I was out there on my birthday, and uh, well, I guess we'll get into it in a second. Uh, welcome to episode number 15 of Battered Herons. I am your host, Daniel Granada, along with my co-host here, Chris Duran. How are you doing, sir? I'm good, man, especially after a win. I'm pumped. That's a good birthday present for you, for sure. Uh, I mean, know, not really. I mean, it, it ended on the day after my birthday, so because... I really yeah, can't consider it a birthday gift. Yeah, I mean, I got it. It was a rough night, man. I I made it all the way up there, and what had me confused was there was lightning before the game started. As the game's being played, we're looking around like, is it gonna rain? No rain in the forecast. Just lightning, 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 and then halftime starts, and just a couple minutes after into halftime, they're like, hey, uh, everybody going for shelter because there's lightning in the area. Like, there's been lightning in the area for the last hour. I don't know what you're talking about. And then they said the game will resume 30 minutes after the last bit of lightning. That's the worst. At that point, when I heard that, I was like, oh, this is going to be a long night. And that was about well, 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock hit, and there was still lightning. I ended up leaving. Well, and, and watching the game in the second half, it was really, really empty. I mean, really empty. And I felt so bad because – we're talking about a weekday here. It was a Tuesday night. You know, people got to go to work the next day. Uh, you got kids that go to school. It's uh, it's a lot to ask for one to stay after the game I mean, or, or after halftime and you're waiting for the weather delay to run so that way you can be able to watch the game live. You know, it's, it's a lot to well, ask will, for, for sure. I will tell you that... Um... I left that because the thing is, I went with my kids. I went with my whole family, right? It was my birthday, so we went over there, and we kind of just going to celebrate as a family over there and at the stadium. So I went with my parents, my brother, my kids. And it's 10 o'clock, so it's a school night. The kids are getting tired. So I had to leave, unfortunately, because there was still lightning at 10 o'clock. But the stadium was relatively still full. Like, I, I felt like people held on for a while. I don't know at what yes, time. Yes, they did. They, I don't think as I was driving home around 10, 30 or so, that's when you start hearing the rumors on Twitter that the game might get postponed. I'm yeah. assuming when those once those rumors started circulating, that's when the stadium started to empty out. But but when I left at 10 o'clock, I mean, it wasn't full necessarily, but there was a still healthy amount of people out at the stadium, which had me surprised. Well, and and I'll I'll give you I'll, I'll tell you one thing. I I give a lot of credit to to the supporter section because man, when they come, they come and they and they stick around. Um, you know, it's it, it's something that's very tough to expect, especially during a weekday game. And I really hope that we don't get the same luck when we play against Orlando. Um, but but I give them a lot of credit for sticking through it and and really showing up because I can imagine that the players showed them a lot of respect at the end of the game. I well, that's when I got nervous though about it getting postponed because I started hearing that the supporters section started bringing down their banners. 
right? Once yeah. I hear that they're bringing that, oh, once man. they're throwing in the towel, then you know things are getting bad. Yeah, um, for sure. But I, I, I did want to get into this weather thing just a, a little bit, not too much. But this is the sixth weather delay, and, and it's the 15th home game. Yeah. And that's, that's, I mean, that's a pretty high percentage. Now, yeah, we have a new stadium hopefully opening up in the next two to three years. You got to give us a, a retractable roof. Like the Marlins did it in baseball, and nobody goes to that stadium, but they did it because of this <laughs> reason, because of the weather. Like if the Marlins can go ahead and make it, I know that they used, uh, you know, public funds to do that. But, man, Jorge Mas needs to get, like, some type of loan. He just those, – those people be doing some shady stuff to get money. Do yeah. something shady. Do something shady for us because it's going to go a long way for us because in the summer, MLS gets played in the summertime. So we're going to have this problem consistently throughout our history if we don't get some type of retractable roof. Hashtag necesitamos techo, basically. <laughs> and uh, I mean, it's... I like it's, it. I like it, it. Yeah. And it's funny because, I mean, hopefully, you know, within the next two, three years, we'll be able to get the stadium. And I was just, I was reading some of the comments about that, you know, people wondering if we're going to, you know, get a, a retractable roof and people are like, oh, but it takes away from the football and like, come on, man, get out of here with that. I mean, let's, let's keep the fans, let's keep the fans dry. Let's keep the players dry. Let's keep it a, 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 an entertaining game from minute one to minute 90 plus. I mean, if you really think about it, this game, I was hyped for this game outside of it being my birthday, obviously I was hyped because yeah. This was a playoff game for for us. I mean, yeah. if we lose this yes, game, we're we're basically out of the picture. I mean, yes. we have a small bit of hope, but at that point, I think everybody loses hope for the for the uh, for the outcome for the as far as right. So, I think everybody went in with expectations of watching a really good, important game. And although it was a Tuesday night and the stands weren't necessarily full, the energy was still there because you were excited about what this game meant. Yeah, for sure. And for it's and for the weather delay to last two and a half hours and end up taking people that spent their money. They look, they didn't refund anybody for their tickets. They didn't refund the parking. Yeah, that's brutal. And, and, so I mean, you have to do something for us. <laughs> Back to the parking, like, huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yeah, man. Uh, look, I'm never gonna get off that. I've spent way too much money on parking. But they have to do something for us. Like I, we have a new stadium coming, so this is something that they can address before the construction begins. Hashtag, what was it? Necesitamos techo? Nece yes, for sure. Necesitamos techo. I like techo. it. I like it. All right. Well, get, getting more to the sunnier side of things, let's talk a little bit about the starting 11, right? So the game is about to get started. Everybody gets their Fugazi notification through the Inter-Miami app about whatever structure it is, which, <laughs> by the way, I saw that and I texted you immediately and I said, I like this. I love that. I love that setup. I mean, you know, you're talking about the starting the starting uh, 11 with three in the back. You got McVeigh, Sailor, and Mabibka. You got four in the middle. You got uh, Taylor on the left wing. You got Mota. You got Gregory in the middle. You got uh, Yedlin sitting on the right right wing uh, or right midfielder, I guess. And then you got Lázaro and Pozuelo playing the left and right wings with Higuain leading the front. What did you think about the starting 11? Because that was well, very, very out of the box. Well, we predicted what the starting 11 would be. I was off on goalkeeper. Yes, I thought that he would keep I, I thought he would keep Marsman. So I'm glad that he went back to calendar. Yes. And I think we, we predicted last that it started. We were right about that. 
Now, we were off about McVay. I didn't think that he would put McVay back at left back. I thought since Lowe was out, he would move him into center back and that he would go with Gibbs or Jones at left back. But he ended up going with Mabika at center back, which yeah, surprised me because Mabika hasn't been playing much. He's a little clumsy when he plays. And I think, fuck it, I'll get into it. I can't. Mabika's like eight feet tall. Yes, he is. How he allows Kucho, which is, I think, 5'6", five, 5'7", five, to score a header when he's marking. I mean, lack, he wasn't really marking him, and that was yeah. the problem. But how you allow this 5'7", I mean, no, he's, he's a ball. Tall, at the tallest. To, 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 to score a header when you are eight feet tall is beyond me. Like, the way him and Gregory lost him in the box, it was, man, that was so heartbreaking. And when you see the replay, I you can see my face. And I just, you just look, because I sit in the first row right behind the goal. Yeah. And you can see the disappointment in my face because yeah. Mabika's tall ass just, come on, come on. That was just which crazy. I, which I'd expect them to get some more goals with headers also. But that's just for another discussion. Yeah, I mean maybe it just comes with getting some more some more minutes under his belt, some more playing time. I'm really hoping that he does get comfortable because I do think that he's going to make a, a very good asset in the future uh, as far as our defense goes. Um, I think that with this setup that, uh, that Phil Neville came out with, I feel like he put a little bit more trust in Taylor and Yedlin to come back and forth to play defense. Well, and and all, for sure, they were playing and, wing backs. Yeah, and also play play uh, pretty you know pretty upfront as far as aggressively on offense. I really loved the setup. I really thought that it was right place, right time kind of stuff where we finally got aggressive, but we still sort of maintained our defensive composure. So I, I, I really thought that I really thought a lot about it. It was really in the good. first half. In the first half, it didn't seem like we were that aggressive in the first half. At least we were we were playing a lot of counterattack. I felt like uh, Columbus dominated the ball in that first half we obviously um scored with Iguain, but yeah. i felt like like there wasn't a lot of a, a aggression or, or they weren't very aggressive offensively in the first half i felt like columbus looked at the slightly the better side i, I thought they were dominating the ball um but we had moments we, we had no obviously yeah yeah and yeah Again, and I thought we were playing the counter more than anything. Now, going into the half 1-1, I felt pretty good about uh, us eventually coming out on top. But I, I wanted to see us be a little more aggressive, and I think that came in the second half after the two-and-a-half-hour delay, I guess. Yeah, and and talking about the possession, I, I, I looked up the stats now, and it's 57.7% possession for, for Columbus Crew, 42 for Miami. Um other than very spotty times where they were doing a lot of countering, uh, you're right. Miami didn't have full possession for a lot of the time. Um, I mean, I guess it was just, you know, doing what you can with what you got, and and they made the best out of the, the amount of opportunities that they were given. I mean, they had 11 shots. Uh, six, were, six of them were on goal for Miami. Uh, Columbus crew had 13 shots, and three of them were on goal. Uh, and one of the things that I want to mention is that there were four block shots uh, on behalf of Miami. So you can tell immediately that 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 Drake Callender uh, came to play. He came to play and he wants his time back. Uh, I, I thought I thought wonders of the game. First half 
was always uh, was very entertaining. Second half to me was a little sluggish, especially after the two and a half hour delay. The substitutions made a huge difference in the game, huge difference. But I'm really happy now, how we got started. Uh, I forgot what report it was that that put it out there, but they said that there was a, now again, maybe maybe it's one of those false reports and and I shouldn't be taking it seriously. But somebody reported that the AC units were were messed up in the in the locker rooms, and that some of the the Columbus team had to go and sit outside of the locker room Ooh. to get some fresh air. Again, I don't know if that's true or not. I forgot where I read that. I read that somewhere, but it must have been a very uncomfortable two and a half hours for the teams, if that's the case. Um, but I, I unfortunately, I told you, I got home. About the 70th minute mark, I decided to watch the game as I laid across a pillow on my couch. And next thing I know, I'm waking up to a W. So I really missed the last 25 minutes or so. I missed yeah. the game-winning goal. But um, I do know I did get to catch the highlights. I do know Campana came on. And how did the Campana look to you? Well, look, I mean, Campana, you could tell that he's rusty. It's been a while since he's played since he's played. Uh, he did have he did have one chance at quite possibly getting a goal, uh, but it was very cluttered in, in in the box when his opportunity came. Other than that, you could tell that he's uh, you know that he's running all over the place. He's trying to recover the ball. He's trying to be helpful with the ball. Um, so I at least it gives me some sense of of calmness in in terms of knowing that we finally got him back. I don't know if it's 100%, but it's close to 100%. Uh, as far as the second half is concerned, I know that after we started the second half, Campana came in on the 73rd minute for Taylor. You got Vasilev that came in in the same substitution for Lasseter, which eh, uh, Lasseter to me was playing really, really efficient in the first half. He created, he of course had an assist. He was creating a lot of counter opportunities. Later on, we had Bryce Duke coming in for um, – he came in for Jean Mota. And then after that, uh, you had Yoak that came in for Pozuelo on the 87th minute. And then Joven Jones came in for Iguain in the 87th minute as well. So substitutions you, were actually you, really good. How do you feel about Duke waiting – them waiting so long to put Duke in? Because I, I feel like, man, I, I, I'm – I'm up on uh, – I don't know if I'm happy the fact that Duke isn't on the field because I understand that Gregory and Mota uh, are like cornerstones, I guess, in the midfield. Like it's almost yeah. impossible to take one of those two out. But a yeah. part of me kind of wants to see Duke play over Mota. I, I think Mota's been playing very well. But Gregory yes. could, could be the holding midfielder, and you can let Duke play out there with next to Pozuelo. Like that's what I kind of hope to see. I understand that that's more offensive – and more, I guess, being aggressive offensively. And because they took out Mota for Bryce Duke, obviously I could tell that Neville was going for the win. Like he wanted to win this game. But I, I would like to see that more often, maybe even in a starting lineup. I mean, I don't know if we're going to get that, but I would like to see all our best soccer players out there at the same time. Well, and and I, I agree with you. I really do want to see Duke start the game. If not start, uh, you know, get on a little bit earlier. I know when I was watching the game, when they made the substitution, you can tell that Jean Mota was uh, cramping up. His legs weren't really under him. I mean, we're talking about when they started the second half. What I saw 
honestly, were a lot of guys that were just not, they were cold. You know, you're talking about taking a two and a half hour break. Your blood is pumping. You're ready to go. You know, that the last time they ate must have been like, what, four or five o'clock. Their bodies are already ready to go home. Uh, and you're talking about you're going to have to play another hard fought 45 plus minutes. So these guys, you could tell starting off the second half were a little sluggish. There were a lot of bad passing on both sides of the field. And that's why I said that, you know, some of the substitutions that that were made in the second half, I think were really, really critical and, and made a huge difference in the outcome of the game for sure. Well, well, this this play right here. Don't say this, that. This play right here Osuelo. with uh, Osuelo. Campana, the target here. Yeah, and if you could, right, right there, you could tell. Right there, you could tell that that play was. I mean, I mean, look at that. You know, let, let's rewind that play a little bit so that way you can be able to, you know, go over. The, I mean, look, I mean, the defense was obviously they didn't hold up a good line, so they let Iguain run out there, and I mean, how he caught that in between the post and the goalie. That was that was a beautiful strike. Well, let me tell you, I was uh, I was watching this same highlight with a coworker of mine who watches a lot of you know soccer out in Europe and and all that stuff. Uh, one of those fine soccer players, whatever. He mm -hmm. knows Iguain from from the times that he's he played out you know in in other leagues, and he said, yeah, that's just a player that's seasoned without even looking at the goal. He knows and feels where it is. So when I For saw sure. that play. You know, you're talking about a perfect setup by Pozuelo. And obviously, it's kind of a benefit that Iguain is a little slower than before. So he didn't offsides the call. You know what I mean? Because just a mm -hmm. couple seconds later, he might have gotten an offsides. But uh, he made the perfect timing on the run, you know? Well, Pozuelo and Iguain have obviously built, like, beautiful chemistry. And the issue with Campana being out for so long is that he has no chemistry with um Pozuelo because there was a play Caleb Porter right, lining up his next there was a play here where Iguain and Pozuelo are playing and then you can see Campana he's waiting for the ball he Pozuelo has the angle and the lane to pass the ball over to, uh, with the through pass to Campana and he doesn't find them and I thought that that was so odd because if that's Iguain I'm telling you Pozuelo's finding Iguain with this ball like yes he, he is if you look look at this right here I'm so sorry, you see, but if, if that's Iguain in the top left, Iguain's getting that ball. But Pozuelo, he, he ended up going in and taking the, the, the shot himself, and that's really unlike him. So as you see here, and I'm going to rewind it a little bit, as you see Pozuelo on the approach, you could tell that he's got some time to sort of consider his options. So he's on the approach. He's getting towards the, you know, the, the top circle of the 18, the box, and I think the difference between Campana and uh, Iguain is that Iguain has probably communicated with him how he tends to cut in so that way Pozuelo can be able to time passes perfectly and lead him to the spot where he wants to take the shot. Right here, you could tell that Campana, he's not really committing to the cut in. He's sort of straying a little further, which obviously is going to make the pass a little bit more difficult. It could be intercepted. So... I think just the confidence that he has with Iguain, maybe the communication that they've had, it helps out when it comes to their exchange versus Campana's, where Campana probably hasn't been able to communicate or practice enough 
with Bosuelo to make the efficient pass to him. And that was and a golden opportunity. I'm, and obviously, I'm looking at the replay. It's a lot easier to pick out a, a, a passing lane when you're watching a replay and it's not you're not actually in the game or playing. Um, yeah. But, you know, I thought it was unlike him. I thought that if it would have been Iguain, he would have found him on that. But it's nice to have Campana back. Now, now that he's back, we have Campana and Iguain. I'm kind of wondering, do you think we're finally going to start two strikers up top? But how do you think this is going to look in coming into the future now we're done with Columbus? I don't know, man. I mean, I was thinking about that also, seeing Campana coming back, and especially with Iguain balling, you know. Now everybody is on the Iguain train, and 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 I'm the leader of it. Okay, I want everybody <laughs> to know I'm the leader yeah. of it. Okay, and so uh, basically with Campana and Iguain, I think it would be extremely effective. But at the same time, we're talking about you're you're going to be stealing a little bit of shine from Iguain, right? So do you want to kind of me mess with the recipe at this moment? and put Campana in while Iguain is sort of shining with Pozuelo, you know, would it make for a better combination or would it make for, for, for what can possibly be poisonous to the team? I would imagine that having Campana occupy a couple of defenders because people have to respect Campana for what he's done this season yes. would open up some running lanes for Iguain. So I can't imagine that it would be bad. It has to be, I think a good thing. Now, I just don't know how Neville is going to put this out there. Is he going to play Iguain out in the midfield behind Campana? I doubt it. Yeah. I think he's going to have – he has to have two strikers. So I guess it would be two strikers with Pozuelo playing behind them. I'm, I'm, I'm not really sure how this is going to look. But I'm really hoping that he gives Campana a little more time because he gave him about 20 minutes last game, right? 20, 25 yeah, minutes yeah. to take. Yeah. So I – I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll see, I guess, coming up against D.C. I mean, this is probably the best time to experiment. Yes. Because, yes, it is. Because D.C. United is officially the worst defensive team in the league. So, <laughs> I mean, this this if you're going to experiment with a starting 11, where you want to experiment with two up top, you want to experiment with a false nine, which obviously he's not. But I'm just saying, if you want to just experiment yeah. with something wild, go ahead and do it because this is probably the best team to do it against. Yeah, for sure, and especially since they're the worst team in the entire Eastern Conference, uh, uh, in, in the league, in the league, sir, in yeah, in the <laughs> in, in the, the league, league. yes, in the, in the entire league. This would be the best time to sort of incorporate some sort of change, some sort of uh, way to be able to figure out how you're going to have Campana and Iguain play in symphony. Um, I just hope that it doesn't mess with the chemistry between Pozuelo and Iguain because. Look, I mean, it's 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 something that cannot be doubted. Their chemistry since Pozuelo came in is magical, magisterial, okay? Since, since Pozuelo came in, we got the Iguain that we wanted. He, he, this was the Iguain that everybody, when yeah. we signed him, and let me tell you something, I wasn't happy with the Iguain signing at first because I was never a fan of him even in Europe. But I knew that he, ha he, he was skilled. So I was like, you know what? Yeah. Hopefully, he produces the way that everybody expects him to. And he didn't at first. But this is the guy that everybody wanted. This is the guy that, although I wasn't a fan of the signing at first, the guy that I was hoping would turn me into a fan. And over the last two months, he has. He's been balling. He has like nine goals in the last 12 games, give or take. It's, it's insane what he's done. Well, and we go from Campana making the comeback, right? And and we still got Iguain balling. So at least we got that in the pocket. To finally... Mm -hmm getting the sixth god back 
right? <laughs> Drake himself, huh? Drake himself, we didn't expect him to come in, just like how we predicted that Nick Marsman was going to stay with the starting spot, which, by the way, when I was listening to uh, some of the comments in the post-game press conference by Phil Neville, he actually mentioned that the idea is to have Drake. He's taking the number one spot. He's going to be the starter moving forward. So I feel super comfortable with that. He said it was a mental break. Yeah, and <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, I guess I could see it. Look, you know, Drake had some funky games before Marsman came in, so I could see that. I could see that maybe he took a little hit in the ego. But you know how we were saying that Pozuelo's boot to the chest out in in New York or against the Red Bulls cost yeah. us six points, and that we would probably look back at that boot and say that was the moment that cost us the playoffs. Yeah. I think that this save at the end of the game by Drake may be the play that we point to and say this save got us into the playoffs. Because if he doesn't save this ball, I, I don't have the video to pop up, but if he doesn't yeah. save this ball, we end up with a draw. We lose two points, and those two yep. points would make a, a world of a difference. Because at the moment, we are it's tight in the Eastern Conference. So we got right now 39 points. So we're two yeah. points behind Columbus and we're what three points behind Cincinnati and Orlando. Yeah. And we are tied 39-39 with Atlanta. So it's obviously really tight there. So every single point is important. So Drake may have saved our playoff our chances with that save at the end of the game. Which by yes. the way, if you look back at that replay, it was weird because it didn't even like the guy kicked the ball. It kind of like hit off his hip and somehow yes. like deflected over Drake. But regardless, he made one hell of a save and he made he saved our season thus far. Yeah, with that save alone, I mean that was incredible. And watching that play unfold, I mean, I was I was as nervous as I can get watching it literally on the 93rd or 94th minute, where all of a sudden you just see him sort of spring up. And the moment that that sails over the pole, I think to myself, oh, my goodness. He just saved our season with that right there. Well, and those saves have to be – I mean, they, they don't look as difficult because it's not like a rocket coming at you. But when a ball like that gets deflected, because that got deflected off of somebody's hip. That wasn't yes. a kick. Yeah. And so when something like that happened, it's straight, straight reflex because you usually you look to see when the kick is coming. But that was yeah. just a deflection. And he – he got to it. I'm, I'm glad he was there, and uh, he may have saved our season. But when we look at the upcoming games, yeah, as you can see, we have DC United, Toronto, Orlando, and Montreal left. The three teams ahead of us all have four games to go. The two teams behind us have three games to go. So I'm not really worried about those two. I'm Atlanta and New England, although obviously they have a chance, but because they've already played 31 games each – I feel like their chances of making it are very slim. Are super so, duper slim. And especially so, by the image that you laid out, you know, with all these teams that we have within the same area as us. You got Orlando and mm -hmm. sit in fifth place, you know, Cincinnati in sixth, Columbus in seventh, us in eight, Atlanta in ninth, and New England in tenth. So and this weekend coming up, you have Cincinnati playing against Real Salt Lake, which is fighting for their playoff lives also. Columbus playing against Portland, again, also fighting for the playoffs. And then we're playing against D.C. United. If things go well, 
for us. Columbus is playing at home, but Cincinnati's playing on the road. If things go well and we can beat DC United, which we'll get into in a little bit, but I mean, we should be able to handle DC United. Yeah. If we can beat DC United and end up with 42 points, if Cincinnati and Columbus both lose or maybe even draw, we'll move to seventh. And if they lose, both lose sixth place by the end of the weekend. So we have a great chance to move on up. Yeah, I mean, it's a hell of an opportunity. Just in this week, we definitely have a chance to be able to get up into the the the, the playoff, the playoff party, right? The playoff, mm-hmm. the pre-playoff party. Um, Orlando, they're going to be playing Toronto also this week. Uh, I, I believe they're going to be playing them this week. I have to double check it. Um, yeah, yeah, they play Toronto, yeah. Yeah, they're playing them on the 17th as well. So we're I'm going to be looking at that game too because if Toronto gets the win there, they can be able to sort of help us in, in getting even closer uh, to Orlando. And to me, what stands out about the if Toronto schedules, wins, if Toronto wins. Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, if Toronto wins. What stands out to me out of all of these teams is the schedule for Orlando because those games to me are the most critical. I mean, you have Orlando literally playing in their next four games, all Eastern Conference teams. And we're talking and, about and, the, the – go ahead. No, I was just saying pretty decent teams because Toronto, although their their chances of making the playoffs are very slim, they know Toronto knows that if they lose this weekend against Orlando, their season is basically over. Yeah. So for them, it's a must win. Then they have NYCFC, which is trying to stay in the top four spots. Then they got us at home in, in Miami, and they have Rocks. Columbus. That Columbus Orlando game, the last game of the year, is going to be crazy because you know they're both going to be fighting for positioning, whether it be a playoff spot or at least better seating. So yeah. Orlando's got a tough schedule. Cincinnati also has a tough schedule. Well, actually, you know, I take that back because they finished the season against Chicago and D.C. United. Oh, well, let's so, not say anything about Chicago. Yeah, no, no, no. I'm not. I'm sorry, <laughs> Chicago. I'm not. I, I no longer want to talk bad about you. But Columbus has Portland, the Red Bulls, Charlotte, Orlando. So as far as competition goes, I think Cincinnati has the easiest road as far as strength of schedule. Yes. Um. So Orlando, Columbus, and Miami might be fighting for that last seed. Oof, that that's gonna be rough. Yeah, it's definitely going to be a rough game. And the one the one thing that I'm going to look forward to, uh, at least for this week, is going to be the game between Toronto and Orlando. That's one game I'm going to be paying attention to other than, of course, Inter-Miami. But let's let's preview a little bit about, about the game between Miami and D.C. United. So we have D.C. United coming up. It's on Sunday. And they're Five the o'clock. worst team. The five o'clock, they're the worst team in the world. Okay. <laughs> and um, what do you think? What, what are your predictions on the starting 11? Do you think we're going to be looking at the same starting 11? I mean, I know you thought that maybe it'd be a good idea to get Campana and uh, Iguain on the field, but what, what do you I see would, happening I would, there? If they're ever going to go with two up top, I, I would love to see it now because this is the time to make that experiment. To, to see if, if we can make that the, the two-striker system work with Pozuelo behind pulling the strings. Are we going to see it? I don't know because Campana only played for 20 minutes, so obviously they're still going to bring him on slowly. So I don't know if you start him you know, and, and hope that he can go 60, 70 minutes. But if you're going to experiment with two strikers up top, 
I'm assuming against a team like DC United, it would be the time to do it. I do not think they're going to do that, though. I think the starting 11 is going to look very similar to the one we saw on Tuesday night. And it could be. And you know what? You know what I'm afraid of, to be honest, that because uh, is because DC United is one of the worst teams, if not the worst team, it is the worst team. I'm afraid. Team. I'm afraid that because they're the worst team, that Phil Neville's going to kind of bring it back and sit out for he's going to put four defenders he's not going to pressure as much because maybe we can still score on these guys i really don't want them to let off on the on the gas i really want the team to be in full throttle getting as many uh positive opportunities as possible as aggressive as possible and that's the only thing i'm afraid of as far as the starting 11 is concerned i predict that the starting 11 is going to be four uh defenders instead of three like last game which i really hope that doesn't happen but i predict that we're going to have at least four defenders for the for the for the next game and last and, the, and, and i hope that lassiter and, and taylor stay on the field and not vasilev in the last well since wayne rooney became the coach they played 11 games yeah and in those 11 games the last 11 games they've only won twice they won his very first game against orlando Oh, which was, was a crazy a, comeback. It was a crazy was. comeback. And then they beat NYCFC a couple weeks ago, two to one. Other than that, Ooh. they've been either losing or drawing. Um, and Philly put up six on them, Atlanta three to two. So DC United obviously has had a rough run. They've had two zero zero draws in their last three games. So, I mean, they're not getting scored on as much recently, but I. I they are the worst defense in the league. I feel like, well, I, you know, last time I said that we got cooked, but I, um, yeah, yeah. So I, I got to be safer with my words. I do think that we can put up some points on them, though, and and I, I can't imagine us walking out of there. I said this before, and I hate saying it again, but if we can't beat DC United, because at least Chicago was in the playoff hunt. If we don't beat DC United, we don't deserve to be in the playoffs. You know what? That uh, that's a fair that's a fair assessment. Um, I think that we're gonna win. I think that we're gonna win. Uh, you know, with, without a shadow of a doubt. I think that the score is gonna be at least three to four goals. Um, I mean, at this point, I'm hoping Emerson and Bryce Duke get a goal. Put Bryce Duke in the box. Get him a goal <laughs> no, this, no, against no, this no, team. No, no, no. I don't want to see Bryce Duke in the box. But I do think I think I I'll, I agree. I think we're gonna get. I think we put up three. I think they, maybe they score one, maybe. So let's say three to one is my prediction. I think that that we put up three, and I think we walk away three-one with a comfortable game. I don't think it's going to be stressful at the end, and um, it'll be the first time we win by more than one goal on the road. Yeah, and and I'm definitely looking forward to it. It's going to be an entertaining game, not only because it's just Inter Miami, but we're playing against the worst team on the planet. So that's always a good thing. Uh, but before we go ahead and finish the podcast, there is a segment that I want to go ahead and open up and get started. It's a segment that I started with my son, and it's something that we're calling Extra Time with Jose. Uh, I'm just waiting for him to confirm if he's happy with the actual name. Uh, he says he's okay with it, but then after we recorded, he didn't like it too much. I'm going to go ahead and play back a little interview that we had. Uh, so let's go ahead and, and put that up on the stream so that way everybody can hear what Jose is going to uh, say. 
All right, Jose's going to send us out after he's done, and then we, after this, we'll catch you guys on the next one. So here we are. It's the Men in Pink, a.k.a. the Battered Herons, and we're here to get started with a segment that I like to call uh, Extra Time with Jose. Right? <laughs> hey, Jose, so what's going on, man? Uh, Everything good? Yeah, good. Awesome, awesome. So we're going to go ahead and cover what's happened in the last game. Right. And then we're going to go ahead and cover what's coming up in the week. So the game Miami against Columbus, uh, we ended up winning two goals to one. Did you expect to score two goals or more? What, what do you think? I thought it was going to be like, uh, I'll say three. Three, maybe four goals? Probably four. Well, I was expecting a pretty high score too. I predicted in the last podcast that we were going to score three goals. So. Uh, but we got away with the win. We we scored two goals to one, right? So what did you think of the game, Jose? What what did you think about the game? Was it fun? It was real fun. And who in the team, who do you think played the best, in your opinion, in your mind, who played the best in the game? They did you come in. Yeah, Duke came in in the second half. So who do you think played the best? Come on, tell me. Who's who do you think played the best in the game? Bryce Duke. Bryce Duke. Yeah, he's doing pretty good passes. Yeah, I mean he's a good passer. Um, Bryce Duke just going over the stats, his um his expected, you know, he was he made a lot of passes. His pass accuracy was very good. It was actually a hundred percent. Um, I know before we were talking earlier and you said Pozuelo that he played pretty good too, right? Yeah. And Pozuelo, he had a he had an assist. And who scored the goals in the team? Who scored it? Tell Danny. Look at the camera and tell Danny who scored the goals. Higuain. That's right. He scored how many? Two. That's right. Two goals. So that's awesome. Um, we played a really good game against uh, Columbus Crew. We came away with a win. That's an extra three points. We moved up in the standings. So we're now up to eighth place. And now we're going to be going away. Right, we're gonna be playing against uh DC United, right? Yeah, all right, and so we're playing against uh what what day are we playing them? Sunday, September 18th. Yep, and that's a 5 p.m. kickoff, right? And everybody here wants to know Jose, because this is extra time with Jose, and so I want to know, and the fans want to know what you think the score is gonna be for DC United versus Inter Miami. Mm. What do you think? What do you think the score is going to be? You, it, has, you... it has to be like a 4-0. 4-0? Yeah. DC wins? No. No, of course not. I mean, look at what place DC United's they're at, in. They're at 20th place. Yep, they're in 14th place. They're last <laughs> place in the Eastern Conference. So four goals to zero is your prediction. It's a bold prediction, but I think that it's a really good prediction. I, I agree. I think that they're going to score a lot of points. And, um, hey, I appreciate the time that you took to, to give us some extra time with Jose. And uh, this is the Battered Herons podcast. And uh, sign off, Jose. Tell everybody to take it easy. Take it easy. Later.